Welcome to That's Anita Live, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing through sharing to help you create a happier life. My guest today is an expert in mental health matters of service members and first responders. Yes, our military, police officers, firemen, and paramedics. She understands the complexities involved in providing support to those who typically provide support to us. Ms. Rhonda Stewart is a licensed clinical social worker with over 12 years of experience. She's earned her master's in social work from Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. Can you say freezing cold? Yeah, freezing cold. Rhonda, when you were at Smith, <laughs> when you were at Smith, did you go to class in the snow? Um, actually, our program was set up to be done only during the summer, and we actually did our um, internships and field placements during the summertime, <laughs> during the winter. Just, so it was I great. Had to, I had to answer. I had to it get that one out of the way first. Because I can't imagine going to college in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And I've also had a question concerning the show, and why do I give people's formal education? Why do I talk about their experience? And I do that because it matters. If you think about it, if not once a month, there is a doctor or a psychologist somewhere that is being dragged off to prison for impersonating somebody mm -hmm. who is qualified to provide services. And it is important that we evaluate our service providers to ensure that we are getting services that are helping us and not hurting us even more. So now to Ms. Rhonda. Yes. For service members. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's great work. How did you fall into service members as a niche? Um, my father is, was in the military. He's a retired Navy SEAL and he deployed five times. I think mm -hmm. what I saw with, um, between he and his friends was just a very interesting um, dynamic. Okay. And it was a dynamic that I think was very, um, taught me a lot, but then it, it prompted me to, figure, to think about who helps those who are serving this country, mm. who helps those who serve others. And it, I mean, that's really how I got into this work. What was the dynamic that you saw that was so interesting to you between your father and his colleagues? Um, the dynamic that I saw was that nobody was really taking care of them. Um, they came back from war. There wasn't really a place for them okay. to um, be served. Actually, I, I think I'd have to take a step back on that one. Mm -hmm. There was a place for them to be served, but they felt that there was a, um, that, that they were gonna be judged if they sought services. Okay. Okay. And so with that, many people did not seek services and instead really tried to um, soldier on. They really tried to move forward and do their own thing um, as if they were uh, functioning normally. Wow. So tell me this, because I've had this question. Does it help or hurt first responders when we celebrate anniversaries of traumatic events year after year, particularly here in the D.C. area, mm -hmm. every September the 11th, mm -hmm. there are programs, events, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Does that help or hurt our first responders? For many, it really hurts. Um, it r requires them or it forces them to uh, think about that event, to All think about the again. loss of lives that mm -hmm. occurred during that time, to think about the, um, the positions that they were in mm -hmm. during that period of time, whether or not they were taking care of somebody who was dying, whether or not all the folks that they encountered were already dead. Wow. 
Have you ever seen someone who came to you and said that one of those events may have brought back triggers or they were having difficulty because? Absolutely. Um, Memorial Day, Veterans Day are always times where I encounter um, some of the patients that I'm working with who are having triggers. They can't watch TV. Um, there are movies that are shown, particularly during those periods of time, um, that really kind of trigger. They show 9-11 over and over again mm -hmm. during those periods. They show footage from Afghanistan and Iraq um, many of times, just as a thing that's on the news. And, you know, perhaps the news folks are not aware. I mean, it's something that they have to do. They're charged with doing that. Okay. But it's a huge trigger for many, many service members. So PTSD is kind of understandable. Yes. But why is depression and suicide so high for our first responders? It's so high because they, do, they often don't seek the support that they need. Um, everybody looks at them as the hero. They're thought of as, you know, the hero. They saved this person or they saved that person. And no one ever considers the fact that they need support after they, they've had these experiences. That's just in their lives. It's an everyday part of their life. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So when they fall into depression, mm -hmm. have you ever seen any of them work their way back or? I have. It's a hard road. Um, it depends though on where they've, if they are seeking, seeking help early, mm -hmm. their chances are great. Um, if they mm -hmm. are seeking help very, very late and they've struggled for years and years, it's going to take them pr a, a pretty good amount of time in About order just to- just the amount of time that they've not been addressing it. I mean, uh, let's hope it's not that amount of time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the, the one thing I will have to say about um, first responders and servicemen okay. is that they are very good with um, somebody who's going to give them an order because they're looking at the way, the, your, the encouragement that you're giving them, mm -hmm. the exercises that you're giving them as an order. And so many of them follow it to the letter. They do the homework. They do all the exercises that you encourage them to do. Okay. And they end up being much, much better. Um, sometimes not necessarily at the level that they were functioning at before, but very, very close. Wow. Okay. Now, currently you provide services to first responders. I do. What is the, say, worst case of PTSD you've ever seen? I am, right now I'm seeing first responders and service members. Um, worst case of PTSD I've probably seen is somebody who's been deployed five times. Um, it's just, he struggled. He had hypervigilance. Um, you could not quietly come up on him or else he was gonna, you know, come up fighting. Mm -hmm. um, irritability, he was significantly agitated. Um, very difficult time engaging socially. Always was on the alert. When he was in a room, he, he did recon. It was always, how can I get out of this situation if something happens? Mm -hmm. And so nothing or very few experiences for him were pleasurable because he was so on high alert all the time. What are some counseling techniques that, that people having that same experience could use? 
to um, try and resolve some of that? There are a number of things that they could use. I do a lot of, um, you know, go, go into this situation for, like there's somebody who, for example, could not go to Walmart, just couldn't go into a store that required them to engage with people. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people could not see all the exits, very, very um, hypervigilant. Okay. And so we had a task after week, after week, after week, we would try this. And I was like, if it only takes going to Walmart, I want you to go into the parking lot, I want you to sit in the parking lot. But he really, really rocked. He went, he went into the store. I was like, get any item that you want. He was like, I went in and I got some t-shirts and I came back. <laughs> it was very exciting. Yes, yes. Like the amount of joy that I got out of that yeah. after seeing him for probably a year and for him doing what we take um, for granted. Take for granted. Absolutely. I just, it, it blows my mind that, like you said, the people that we perceive to be and that we hold up on pedestals of being the strong ones mm -hmm. have such difficulties just asking for help yeah. when it comes to their mental and their emotional health. It's not normal for them to ask for help. It's normal for them to help others. But all of their work is built on teamwork. It is. So that's a manner of helping each other, right? But it's helping to get the mission done. It's helping to get the job done. It's helping to a save you. A common goal. Yes. Versus an individual goal. Exactly. Ah. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Okay. What is the number one mental what is the number one mental health issue when it comes to service members or first responders? Because is it different for each one? It's really not. It's not all that different. Okay. Um, a lot of times people will initially be depressed mm -hmm. and depression untreated, 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 and continuously re experiencing traumas. Um, will lead to PTSD. And what will often happen mm -hmm. is that the PTSD will be, the, the depression will be untreated. They will start developing anxiety symptoms and it will turn into PTSD. So there's a, a transition, uh, it's gradual, but all of, it's like this, this symptom is there and then yeah. something else sits on top of it and then it turns into something greater. So let's, let's, let's talk about depression for a minute because mm -hmm. society right now has really watered down depression. Yes. If somebody is just sad or has a bad day or wants to take a, 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 a weekend off the grid, mm -hmm. there's sound, people are sounding alarms and saying that, oh, you're depressed, you're depressed. Mm -hmm. What is a true definition of being a, able to be diagnosed mm -hmm. for clinical depression? So. Um, clinical depression, people are agitated, they are sometimes irritated, they, um, their eating habits are affected, either they eat too much or too little, mm -hmm. um, they're sleeping too much, they are not enjoying the activities that they typically enjoyed. Um, it's perhaps function in um, impacting the way that they function at work and okay. they're not being successful um, in the manner in which they were before. Um, so there are a number of things that you can go, oh, I see, that's depression. But if you want to take a weekend off, off the grid, that's pretty acceptable. <laughs> we are chained to the phones. Yes, We're we chained yes, to we email. Mm -hmm. And so that is appropriate. Um, it's not appropriate, however, if you're going to, if, if you are already depressed uh -huh. and you're going to go off the grid. 
because at least we want to make sure that you're okay, mm -hmm. that somebody knows where you are. Mm -hmm. When you start giving away your items, okay, and you go away for the weekend, that's when we should be, okay, that's when, when the antenna should be up. Okay. If you just want to have a weekend off the grid, that's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. We'll be right back after this. We're going to break down some techniques, three of the top techniques that first responders and service members can use when they're dealing with everyday life. What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head. What if, with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true, authentic self? It is possible, and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy shares how to resolve emotional baggage and feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. And we're back speaking with Ms. Rhonda Stewart-Jones about the mental health of first responders and service members. So we were getting into, say, the three top techniques for how service members can deal with everyday life. Because everyday life to us, us, the hustle and bustle of, you know, catch the train, work nine to five, catch the train home or drive to work, fight traffic, drive home. But for them, their stresses are hot, a lot more, a lot heavier mm -hmm. because they may get called to a domestic violence call or in day to day for the, for the military, being at war, being shot at and being shot, mm -hmm. those type of things. It's, <laughs> it's not easy. No, it's. I, I can't even get it out to say that it's easy, mm -hmm. but in dealing with those type of calls at any given moment, how can they help day to day with their mental health? It would be great if they could take some time to be mindful, um, some time to go, okay, this happened today and to process it because a lot of times um, folks who are responsible for taking care of others, mm -hmm. they're moving. They're shaking. Constantly. They're constantly moving. Yeah. And so it's not as though they're taking time to think about what they did. They just know that, oops, I had to help that lady who was being beaten on this call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's one, to be mindful. To be mindful. And to take time out. To process your day. To process the day. Mm -hmm. Because some of them, we have a show here called Marriage Behind the Shield. Mm -hmm. And I've heard stories from that show a number of times in where... The police officer, husband, mm -hmm. goes home to the wife who has been with the kids all day. Mm -hmm. So she's done, you know, whether it be, uh, I don't know what the kids watch these days, mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse or <laughs> whoever, <laughs> and um, dinner's on the table. Uh -huh. And she wants in wanting interaction and conversation, yes. but he's dealt with um, somebody charging at him with a knife. Exactly. Or looking for a lost little girl and finding her remains. Mm -hmm. That jaws on the, the mental health of yeah. that person. So you're yeah. saying that the suggestion there when they get home is to give them some breathing space. Absolutely. 
it is necessary to have breathing space. When your day has been so, so filled with trauma and tragedy all day, I mean, you know, they see some of the things that 90% of this world will not see. Yes. And you're expecting them to kind of charge into taking care of the kids and, um, you know, doing bath time. Like, yeah. give them a little 20 minutes, just some time to chill to get themselves together so that they can be able to effectively engage with the family. You said a few minutes. Okay, okay. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Lots of the folks that I've worked with, they- Give us a number, because you, know, <laughs> you know we going tick, tick, tick. <laughs> Whether it be, you know, whichever partner it is mm -hmm. that needs that mm -hmm. 20 minutes. So some, a few minutes could be three, and so some a few minutes, like you said, it's a 20. Yeah. So that's one, what's number two? Number two is to find somebody that you can talk to about how you're feeling. When you have those days, when you have tough cases, find somebody, talk to a buddy. I mean, for a lot of my service members, I encourage them to talk to their battle buddies because that person typically knows what they're experiencing. They are oftentimes feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. And so it's talk to somebody, whether that's your, you know, fellow police officer friend, your fellow paramedic, your fellow nurse or doctor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or whomever, it's talk to somebody. Because the more we bottle these things up, the more agitation and irritation that we tend to display um, as we engage with other people. Wow. But does that help in when they lean on each other? Because then the trauma or the effect from the trauma stays in the same circle. It does help okay. um, for a lot of guys, they, a lot of guys and gals, um, they don't take the opportunity to even talk to each other. Um, things have happened, there's no, there's, they're not processing it. Today we know differently. And so um, in uh, fire departments and police departments, they typically will bring in somebody to help them process. But there's no individual processing happening in most cases. Do you think it should be a regular part of the, the staff? That's a hard question. Um, I think if people took the opportunity to go in and do a, what I would call a do drop in, if they have somebody, if they have a provider already, mm -hmm. um, they have an established relationship and they know that every month they have the opportunity or every two months they mm -hmm. have the opportunity mm -hmm. to do drop in, mm -hmm. I encourage that. Go ahead. The last thing I um, would encourage folks to do, they often suffer silently and don't seek help. It's the seeking help before it becomes a crisis. A lot of times, and I've seen this more frequently now, is that um, folks are engaging in really, really self-destructive behavior. They're drinking, they're driving, they're, um, you know, I've seen people cut. I have seen lots and lots of things that are um, not appropriate behavior for most, I mean, for anybody, mm -hmm. um, but to engage in self-destructive um, and, and self-harming behaviors, um, before it gets to that point, you need to say, okay, Tom, I need help. So asking for help is not a weakness. Why is that difficult? Even, I mean, once upon a time, I understood it. Uh -huh. However, in 2018, mm -hmm. when we're trying to and talking about mental health in every corner 
of the United States of America, mm -hmm. trying to raise the awareness mm -hmm. and kill the stigma. Mm -hmm. Why is the stigma still winning? The stigma is still winning because of the way that we see mental health viewed on television. We see mental health often viewed as the person, not the person like you and I, okay. but the person who is extremely out of sorts. We see worst case scenario. We see when people are in psychosis on television. We don't see when somebody is having um, nightmares that's keeping them awake, that's causing them to be agitated during the day. Um, we don't see uh, the depression. We don't see it in small doses. Mm -hmm. We see everything exacerbated on television. And that's not really a good um, example of, of what mental health issues the typical person is experiencing. The portrayal. Yeah. Of, it's always the extreme mental illness. Exactly. Then just the uh, small counseling session because they're being irritated. Like you said, they can't sleep. They can't sleep or they feel that they're depressed. Um, they feel a lot of times people will come in to me and they'll say, I just don't feel myself. And mm -hmm. I'm like, so tell me about yourself. And so they'll tell me like, you know, the old John, I used to do this, this and this, mm -hmm. but I don't do that anymore. And I'm like, okay, so tell me some other things that you like. Do you not like those things anymore? Or are you just not doing them? There's a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. And typically the answer is, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. I, I still like it, but I'm just not doing it. Okay, are you sleeping a lot? Are you overeating or not eating? A lot of people are not eating. I mean, they're eating for, um, they're eating maybe one meal a day when they would eat a really good three meals a day. Okay. Um, so there are those subtle changes mm -hmm. that happen with people. I mean, I think the person who's experiencing it, uh -huh. they are almost the last to know. Like everybody around them really recognize that okay. John's not who John used to be. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, let's turn it around and look at it from the outside looking in, mm -hmm. the loved ones of someone mm -hmm. that is, say, a paramedic. Mm -hmm. So the, the people that are around them, I would strongly encourage them to say, hey, you know, I know you've had a, a rough couple of weeks. I noticed a change in you. Let's talk about that. Instead, what we tend to do is we tiptoe around it. We tiptoe around when we see changes happening with people and not fully engaging in them to say, hey, is everything all right? Because a lot of times what people need to know is that you notice a difference in them. They may be feeling a little bit of a difference, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you notice a difference and you um, call that difference out to them, you bring them aware that, you know what, it's not a thing that you're just experiencing, but I see it in you then folks are very typically, I mean, they're more apt to go get help at that point. Could you push or is it best not to? But they say, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm good. I wouldn't push. I think planting the seed is always very important. Okay. And that's far more important than pushing because when folks are ready, they tend to seek help. But if you plant the seed in a way that the ne next couple times when that person is feeling a little off, mm -hmm. um, they're most likely to say, oh, you know, Sabrina did tell me that. She did. And, and, you know, that person may come back to you and they say, okay, so what did you really notice? 
because I think I'm noticing a little, uh, some things about myself and I'm not the same John that I used to be. How can they not feed the, the loved ones? How can mm -hmm. they not feed into the stigma? Recognize because a lot of the times, you know what happens? What happens? And <laughs> <laughs> somebody says, oh, you know, I think, I think I may need to go see somebody. Mm -hmm. What? You think you're crazy? Okay. So what? I, I think you can't handle that little thing. I think it's important for us to recognize that you don't have to be crazy mm -hmm. in order to seek support. Sometimes when, you know, we don't want, we do want to get support, but we don't, when the level starts turning a little bit, we need to get support. What we don't want to do is wait until it's gotten to this point and we're then just seeking support. I mean, that happens all the time. And providers, you know, will support people through that. Um, but I think the important thing to note is that when you feel yourself changing, mm -hmm. you should get support early. What are some of the resources that are available to uh, each group, whether it be service members, mm -hmm. um, our policemen and our firemen, or mm -hmm. our paramedics? So for service members, um, a lot of, um, there are facilities such as Fort Belvoir. There are um, what's around here. We have the Pentagon. There are services there. Mm -hmm. There are lots of places where folks can get the services that that they need. Okay. Where whether it's um, seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a social worker, mm -hmm. um, there are lots of services for service members. Um, obviously, the VA is available. Okay. Um, there is uh, Military One Source. That is something, ironically, um, TRICARE doesn't typically pay for um, couples counseling. And so Military One Source is what I tend to refer people to okay. for that. Um, it's very, you know, it's a very interesting process where you can get lots of support everywhere. But for um, first responders, they have EAP programs and then once they get with an EAP provider, they can then transition to a permanent provider. Would that hurt them on their job, say with promotion potential or? Typically not. If you are not experiencing anything that doesn't impact your ability to do your job, huh? then you will be fine. You will be fine. Service members and first responders, we appreciate everything you do but please do not forsake your own mental and emotional health. With the same urgency and intensity that you provide help to so many others, you should seek help for yourself. To reach out to Rhonda, visit aboutfacellc.com. No matter what you've seen or experienced, you are not alone. Help is available. I'm Anita, your host. Be sure to check out thatanitalive.com for where and when to see our next episode.